Welcome to Wait, Wait, Naked and Ashamed. I'm Faith Saley, and this is our one and only All Adams episode with Adam Felber. There's some nice cafes in Stockholm. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get a double espresso. I won the lottery. Right. Really? That's about as far as it'll go, though, because yeah. the Swedish character is so conservative that I bet, you know, the day after it's like, yeah, well, I invested it soundly. Exactly. <laughs> And Adam Burke. I also don't like that they were like, you know, they're puppets, so they don't have sexual orientation. Yeah, but they've got apartments and jobs and a sponsorship deal with the alphabet. (laughs) (laughs) The following message comes from our sponsor, Wix.com. Did you know you can get a professional website in five minutes or less? Wix.com developed artificial design intelligence that builds a stunning website just for you. You can even do it right from your phone. Here's how it works. Go to Wix.com, decide what you need a site for, pick your style, add your images, and your website is ready. Create your website today. Just go to Wix, W-I-X.com. Hey, Faith Daily. Hi. How are you, kid? I'm so happy to see you. I've known Adam Felber a long time. In college, in a production of Your Good Man, Charlie Brown, I played Lucy Van Pelt, and some guy named Mo Rocca played Charlie Brown, and the choreographer was our friend Jeannie. Jeannie went on to marry a very funny, very smart, very menchy guy. You guessed it, it was Adam. So 1998 is when when we met. met. You had curly hair. You had... Yeah, and I think in 98 it was long curly hair. I think it was like down to the middle of my back. And that must have, that was the year that Wait Wait started. Was it that year? Yeah, nineteen eighty-eight. Yeah. And I was I was on the dude. ground floor of that. Yeah. Yeah. But the, you just showed me pictures of your kids. Yeah. And you know that happens a lot at Wait Wait backstage. We, kids? We, no, no. <laughs> we don't make kids. We don't talk no, about that. But you know, Tom Bodette and I always share pictures of our kids. Yeah, like, we, of course. We've kind of all grown up together. Oh my God! Yeah, I mean, Carl Castle officiated my wedding. Hmm. Carl married us. Peter's two oldest daughters were our flower girls. Really? Yes, and I was a reader at Carl's wedding just about a month later. Did Carl Castle crack any jokes, or was he sincere and earnest? At my wedding? Yeah. His wonderful wife, Marianne, said that she'd never seen Carl so nervous as Aww. getting ready for the wedding. And here's, here's a great detail. You know, he's, a, he, he's an amateur magician. Did you know that? I didn't. He always that. carries around magic tricks with him. He just really enjoys magic. And so knowing this about him, I worked a gag into the ceremony where my best man couldn't find the ring. And then Carl, you know, with a flourish and a concealed fake thumb, pulls the ring and a, and a handkerchief out of nowhere and hands it to me to put on Jeannie's finger. I think you and Peter are the longest standing people. No, Peter, people Roy Blunt Jr. and Roxanne Roberts all oh, predate me. Really? I came okay. in like two months into the process. So what was the process? Take us back to the birth of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. I was not there. I just know that when a radio show loves another radio show and they get together. <laughs> like a special hug. I met Peter during an improv show or after an improv show. In New show. York City. Yeah. So my agent brought his one of his clients, Peter, to the show and Peter and I became fast friends. And then it was only a month or two later that Peter was asked to come to Chicago to replace the original host of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. So Peter was a panelist yes. on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Yes. And then he replaced the original host. Yes, he did. And then uh, through an audition process, I became the guy who was like most frequently the New York panelist that Peter would have been had Peter still been in New York. 
This is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Carl Castle, and here's your host, NPR's man on Navy Pier in Chicago, Dan Coffey. Thank you, Carl Castle, and welcome to the show, everyone. We hope you'll play along with us as we review some of the week's big stories and some of the week's weirder stories. Now let's meet our three studio panelists and ask each of them for a headline they wish they'd seen this week. First in New York, we welcome writer and performer Adam Felber. What's your headline, Adam? Um, that would be, after Academy Awards, James Cameron throws his Oscar into the ocean. No live audience. No live audience. No feedback of laughter. None. Did you laugh at each other's jokes? Absolutely. I think that's one of the things that kept me on the show in the early going, is that I'm somewhat generous with my laughter. Yes, you are. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, we were just alone in our bureaus, and then like... Two or three years in, I think, we finally started to do a couple of live events, and I got to meet these people I'd become friends with. Do you remember how they pitched Wait, Wait to you? It was a reward for NPR listeners at the end of the week because it was thought that, like, if you've been listening to NPR all week, maybe on the weekend you get to kick back and kind of review the stories you've heard in a fun format. What did you think when you first heard that idea? I thought... Wow, it must be really tough listening to NPR all week. You know, I, at that point in the 90s, I would occasionally dip in and dip out, and it didn't seem like something that you needed a reward for. But I was like, okay. Do you have any idea how many times you've been on the show? I do not. Uh, well, we happen to have the number, thanks <laughs> okay. to our friend, Lynn Pham. Hi, Lynn. Yep. You know our, he's going to listen to this. Our wait, wait statistician. Yeah. Uh, as of your last taping, 324 times. Really? 324. Wow. The bulk of them was in those first few years. Like, I think during the course of the, my first year on the show, I was probably on every week. 20 or 30 of them. Not every week, but, you know, three, four times a month for sure. Yeah. Because there was only five of us. Who were they? The earliest panel rotation people were me, Roxanne, Charlie Pierce, Roy Blunt, and a woman named Margot Kaufman, who sadly passed away early on in the run of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. But there were just five or six of us in the early rotation. You've won 126 times. It's amazing. Yeah, you for, know, Especially for a guy who doesn't care about winning. Let's well, talk about this. Okay, I, I can talk about this. A, yes, I don't care about winning. I'll get to that in a second. There's two conditions when I care about winning. Okay. When Roxanne Roberts is on the show, <laughs> and lately when you're on the show... <laughs> Because I, there's this thing inside me, I want to beat the people who, who care, care about, about winning. winning. And you guys care so much, I just want to smack you down. Why? <laughs> because, because then it's a game. Then it's a game. You know, I don't want to be the only person playing a game, but I love gaming. You don't even like to win Bluff the Listener. I hate winning Bluff the Listener. Why? Because if, if I have the right story, and you Meaning know, the true story. The true story. And if I've written it and I haven't fooled the listener, that means I did not make it funny enough. Mm-hmm. That's a failure. That's a it's comedy really failure. It's really challenging to have the true story. Yeah, because you want to make it funny. And you can't make anything up. You can't make anything up. And when I have a fake story, making a fake story sound real isn't that hard. Just don't make it fun and interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah. I think Mo Rocca is the master of the I don't care, I'm just going to make you laugh fake story. I love it when he does that. When Bemidji, Minnesota mom Carol Bagnoli decided to stop breastfeeding her son Jack, she faced a dairy dilemma. Cow's milk was too high in lactose, camel milk too low in protein, almond milk was bad for the environment, and hemp milk just didn't seem appropriate for minors. But one milk checked all the boxes, bunny milk. Said Bagnoli, bunny milk is rich in riboflavin, and Jack loves the taste of riboflavin. And as luck should have it, Carol and Jack owned a pet rabbit named Sheila. 
We were already so close to Sheila, so it felt natural. Each morning, mother and son take turns milking Sheila. Luckily, we both have tiny tapered fingers, so getting a hold of Sheila's nipples isn't so hard, especially when they're hard. Sheila's eight teats produce up to two milliliters of milk per day, which Jack drinks straight out of a shot glass before heading to school. I really don't know what to say about that one, so we're going to move on. However, I think the reason I win the most is because when I first started doing Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, one of the producers called me and said, Adam, we do love you on the show, but we kind of need you to win occasionally. Because I would do the lightning round and I would just... Make up silly Joke answer. first and right answer if I couldn't think of a joke. And... Oh, so even if you knew the answer, you'd say a joke. Oh, absolutely. I would, I would sometimes blow the final question. You know that could, that I could have won with to get a laugh because it was I thought I'm an improviser. So that's I thought your it was winning. about the laugh. You care about winning, but your winning is a laugh. My winning is points. <laughs> the board, no, but like I don't sad. need to get more laughs than you. <laughs> but you probably do. You probably no, do. No, as long like, as I get mine, I'm okay. Have you ever made a joke that makes you cringe now to think about? No, but the only reason why is that I have a very poor memory for performances and jokes that I've made. It's just like, I've done the show, I've had a great time, I've laughed a lot, the audience has laughed, and then it's over. Yeah. Yeah, like, I listened to the, the show that following weekend, and I'm surprised. So you do listen to the show after we do it? Yeah. Do, what is your routine? Does your family listen with you? When, when they can. I mean, my family is so new. I mean, it's not as new as yours, but it's still so new that, like, my daughter has just turned five. She's had no interest in hearing it. My son is just getting interested. Do you think Wait, Wait is an important show? Ah, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I do think it's important because its attitude is absolutely unique among news-oriented comedy right now, which is it's really, no matter how many cynical jokes we make at the beginning of the show or during the show, it's not a the world is ending now kind of show. And I can't think of any other, especially in the Trump era, of any other political comedy show that doesn't come with a little bit of like enjoy this because we're all going to be dead by Thursday. You know, I, I feel like that's, this, these are scary times. Yeah. And, and I think either shows just avoid the news as adroitly as they can, or they have to go straight in and, and say, oh my God, this is all going to hell. Wait, wait doesn't convey that. People want to laugh. That, right. that is why they tune in. Yeah, they don't really not... need us to dig in. Exactly. That's what makes it so different from my other job, because people watch Real Time with Bill Maher to catch up with the news, and but mainly to, to find some way to put it into a sensible context. Laughs are important, but it's, you know, what aren't what aren't we seeing about these stories right now? Whereas when you do Wait, Wait, it's people are there to, in a fun way, contextualize the news and what's going on in the world, just in, in a manner that makes it entertaining. Are you ever surprised by how popular the show is? Yeah, all the time. I, I love it. It's kind of an interesting level of fame because it's a level of fame where nobody knows who you are, yeah. which at the same time is not fame, right? I mean, that's the opposite of fame. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> but but when it comes up, it's awesome. So like I get to I get to live like a regular person, even though we all know I'm not You're faith, clearly right? Not. Yeah, I'm I'm clearly you guys not. Clearly not. But I could. Right I guarantee you, I could go to the supermarket right now, and nobody would point me out. That's Adam Felber. After the break, we hear from the other Adam. A lot of it is just insert exasperated sigh for Peter here, and then we just write. Bill makes off-color remark about hardwood. That's up next on Wait, Wait, Naked and Ashamed. 
Support for this NPR podcast and the following message come from Walmart Grocery Pickup. With Walmart Grocery Pickup, you don't even have to get out of your car. Order your groceries online and let them do the shopping and loading for you. Get fresh groceries and save time. Visit walmart.com slash grocery today and get $10 off your first order with trial code don't wait. There are more ways to Walmart. First order only, $50 minimum, expires January 31st, 2019. Welcome back to Wait, Wait, Naked and Ashamed. Adam Burke is from the UK via Australia, but that's far from the most interesting thing about him. Why are you carrying what appears to be a live chicken in your headshot (laughs) online? (laughs) A friend of mine who is actually a comedian was writing a piece for a local magazine. And, um, you know, they said, do you want to come in and do, you know, a photo shoot? And I'd never done one of those before either. So I was like, you know, super nervous. And then... So this production assistant calls me the night before and says, um, you know, we, were ha- we had some ideas, you know, for the shoot tomorrow. And what I was thinking, well, I, what I think would be cool would be like a chicken. But I thought she meant like a rubber chicken. And I thought like that, that I thought it was like really corny, you know. I was like, I, I get it, comedian, rubber chicken, whatever. So I show up the next day and, you know, there's this professional photographer, this professional studio and a live chicken. And the funniest thing to me about it was the chicken came with a handler. <laughs> and this guy had like a cutoff tank top, like a camo tank top and like a, <laughs> like a baseball cap. And he looked like he had brought in like a Jaguar or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> it looks like he'd brought in like a bobcat or something. Uh, but he was, he had that demeanor, you know, like, Right, no, no sudden movement. So we all we're all gonna get mauled to death by this future six piece. Um, but yeah, he gave me this rooster, and he was like dead serious, and he just hold the rooster. Um, and it was so embarrassing because the rooster fell asleep, and I was like, I was like, oh, the rooster is over this. The rooster is so impressed by me. It's a great um, picture. I love how solemn you are. You're like <laughs> yeah, you're like was... the chicken whisperer. The chicken fell asleep in your <laughs> arms. Adam. I always love your accent. <laughs> I do. I mean, I'm glad someone does. It's a no. It's just a fact. There's no one on our show who sounds like you. But it. I mean, your accent is so great. It's it's not straightforward. It's kind of a combination no. of a of a whole bunch of different places, right? Right, right. I always say it sounds like I'm an imposter. Or that you're a little bit drunk. <laughs> <laughs> what am I hearing in your accent? Uh, you are hearing uh, me being in the States for like 20 years. Okay. And then prior to that, me being in London for 10 years, and then me being in uh, the north of Ireland, in County Armagh, for 10 years before that. Didn't you pass and through Australia at some point? So I was born in Australia uh, when I was a little... So I left there when I was like a baby. So I never, I couldn't really claim to have an Australian accent, although my sister went back and we visited her a couple of times. So this is what I want to know, because you can Mm -hmm. tell me. What does it Mm -hmm. actually literally mean to write for Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me? I mean, I've done it, well, I've I've only done it a couple of times. I've done it a few times uh, in Chicago and a couple of times on the road. uh, And I've always just been helping out when one of the producers is, is, has been indisposed. But again, people have to understand that no one on that show is purely a writer. Everyone's a producer. Everyone's like getting together guests and doing research and 
doing like a hundred other jobs. Like, you know, the fact that they're also able to be really, really great comedy writers. And that's like another thing, like I can't stress enough. Um, it's a very, very funny room. What, what is it that you're <laughs> writing? Are you writing jokes or premises or what? Uh, it's a lot of, uh, a lot of it is just insert exasperated sigh for Peter here. <laughs> and then, um, and then we just write, Bill makes off-color remark about hardwood. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird because I'm sort of, I'm writing on a local topical TV show here in Chicago now. And it's kind of, um, the, the, the experiences are, are slightly similar in that, you know, you have grand designs on Monday and Tuesday about what you're going to write and what's going to be on the news. And then, and then Wednesday makes a mockery of all your grand designs. And then Thursday takes that mockery and crushes it into tiny little pieces. Do you, I mean, you've been a writer, but you're also more often a panelist. Do you have a favorite, wait, wait, don't tell me memory? Oh, man. Um, I will say, like, the first time, the, the first time I did it um, was with Peter Gross and I believe Amy Dickinson. And just, like, I was so nervous. And just... Like, they were so nice. And it, it was nice because it's, I always like when people give you advice um, that is so helpful and so succinct that you can turn around and give it to other people. Because I basically just repeat, you know, when, when first-time panelists come on now, I just kind of repeat what Amy and Peter said to me because it's so helpful. Which, which They basically said, you can't break the show. Uh. You know, they were like, look, you know, if you have, if you have something to say um, and you feel like you're not going to just wait. Um, because, because you know, the show gets edited together, and, and like, and if it's if it's funny enough, it's good enough, it'll go in. And if it's if the thing that you say bombs, it'll come out. Like, don't worry about it. But basically, they really, really put me at ease. Adam, the mayor of Louisville, wanted to let the world know that he was really pleased with a front page story in the local newspaper. So he tweeted out a picture. Unfortunately, he also let the world know what. So he he probably included something else. In the photo. Inadvertently. Inadvertently. Yeah. You might want to sit down and think about this. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, he, was, um, he was in session, as they say. He was... Uh, uh, <laughs> Who that says that? Who says that? He was, you know, t- taking it in his chambers, as judges oh. say. Um, <laughs> oh, go on. <laughs> uh, More euphemism. <laughs> he was... Uh, yeah, he was at repose. He was on the bog. He was on the loose. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just want you to know, Adam. Listen, you're I right. Learned. Give him a bell. You're right. <laughs> yeah. But you could have said anything, <laughs> yeah. and we would have bought it. It's like, oh, in Northern Ireland, yeah, yeah. we say, you know, sure, yeah. he was like hunting the forest for the <laughs> wild weasels. Yeah. You know? And we're like, okay. Yeah. Were you on the? I think were we on the same show? Were you on the show that Norman Lear was was a guest? No. Oh. Norman Lear gave a piece of advice uh, during his interview, um, which is, uh, I don't almost want to say it because I don't want to butcher it. If you want to track it down, but it's something about how how life is always about um, the phrases, it's over and next. I have to ask you something. You are, as we speak, 93 years old. I'll be 94 next month. 94 next month. So do you have any tips for those of us who would like to arrive at 93 as spry and as successful and happy as you are? What occurs to me first is uh, two simple words, maybe as simple as any two words in the English language, over and next. Over and and next. And we don't pay enough attention to them. When something is over, it is over. 
Oh, my and, God. I love that. Yeah. And we are on to next. Right. And if there were, was to be a hammock in the middle yeah. between over and next, that would be what is meant by living in the moment. Right. That's brilliant. That's pretty good. That is brilliant. That's so meaningful and resonant. And you're right. It is a. It is also just very helpful advice, not just for life, but specifically for wait, wait, don't tell me. Like, it's mm-hmm. over if your joke failed or, or if it killed. <laughs> right. Like, we're on to the next topic. Right, right. The yeah. whole show is kind of a hammock or a safety net, right? Because it'll, it'll be edited out. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. And again, it's one of the great things about having a live studio audience because, you know, it's instant prototyping. We're not the kind of show where we're going to add in fake laughs or like cheat something and make it sound like, you know, the audience doesn't laugh at everything. And I think that's great because then the audience basically edits the show for us. Yeah, that's right. That's what I really like about it. Adam, thank you for not breaking the show. (laughs) Thanks. You know, they deserve the credit for having a show that's fairly unbreakable, I think. That's Adam Burke. Next time on Wait, Wait, Naked and Ashamed, one anchorman's fall from grace. Taco Bell. Run for the border instead of the bathroom. Bill Curtis. That's next time on Wait, Wait, Naked and Ashamed. I'm Faith Saley. 